You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to welcome and invite Jason Alsop onto the show, which is very exciting. He brings more than two decades of innovative research experience to the Vancouver Leger team, not to be pronounced Leger or uh, any other pronunciation. He is one of North America's best-known experts in lottery and gaming research. He is a regular speaker at industry events and conferences. Clients all across Canada the U.S. look to his expertise to guide the strategic and tactical decision-making. I'm very excited to have him on the show because I think so much of what we do as marketers and advertisers and even small business owners has to do with knowing what's going on, knowing the atmosphere, knowing the vibe, and knowing the culture around us. So Jason, thank you so much for being here. Oh, absolute pleasure, Darian. Thanks for having me. No, it's a real honor. So currently at Leger, and I need to know your origin story of coming here. You've been literally at every other market research company in Canada, Environics, Ipsos Reed, Vision Critical... You've spent some time there, and, and now you're here. Tell us maybe a bit about the differences between them all. Because those that grew up knew about Angus Reid, right, polling, and now it's Ipsos Reid. And so tell us about kind of the world of research today in Canada. Yeah, it's amazing. So my journey in research started back when I finished my master's degree back at the University of South Australia, and I joined them in their marketing research division. And so part of that enabled me to sort of get my feet wet with research and then I moved to Canada in 2004 for the love of my next girlfriend, and that didn't go so well. But when I lived there in Calgary, my first research job there was Environics, and they were terrific to me. I had not a bad word to say about the team there. I was working with Yvonne Browers and Mike Heffron and a number of different you know, thought leaders in the industry. And the interesting thing about 2004 and market research was back in that day, we were calling everybody by telephone. So if I wanted to do any polling of any description, I wanted to ask about attitudes and opinions to anything in the world, I was asking via telephone. Then I then moved to Indonesia and worked with AC Nielsen. And in AC Nielsen in Indonesia, internet penetration was single digits. You couldn't do that. Telephone, not necessarily like telephone connectivity was not that prevalent. We were doing door-to-door. So the world of market research back in 2004 had changed substantially. And then I moved back to Canada, back to Environics, in 2006. And in that 18 months that I was away, we transitioned completely from telephone to online polling. So the world had changed so rapidly. And that's predominantly how we still collect a lot of data today. And then so I was at Environics for a while. I then transitioned to Ipsos here in Vancouver in 2008. It was absolutely a fantastic decision moving to one of the greatest cities in the world just prior to the Olympics. It was just fantastic. You know, I was working here for Ipsos and, you know, having a great time. But at that point in time, back in 2011, I really felt that my resume was missing something. But back in that day, community panels, custom panels was this great technology that was out there. And I felt like I didn't have that part of my game. So I went to Vision Critical for about a year. And after a while, you know, Vision Critical was great, had a great time, some wonderful people. But I, it really wasn't for me. Like it's a super important part of the marketing research offering, but it's not something that I felt super passionate about at that point in time. I enjoy it. I think it's a great product as part of marketing research. But my real passion is ad hoc research, a client wanting to understand more about their business day to day. That's my strength. That's my expertise. And so that's what I really wanted to understand. And so moving back to Ipsos allowed me to do that in a more holistic fashion. 
community panels and custom panels help with a little bit of that, but it's really the ability to be bespoke about the approach. And so going to Ipsos really enabled me to sort of do that. And working at Ipsos, I, I focused specifically on lottery and gaming. So that was really in the the vice area of gambling, understanding sports betting and lottery betting, casino betting. And it sort of evolves into fantasy sports and esports and other areas that really just encompassed everything that speaks to gaming and gambling in the world. And then about, you know, seven months or so ago, I had the opportunity to transition from Ipsos over to Leger and really kickstart the office here. And it's been a tremendous experience. We've had a wonderful time. It's certainly challenging in a market like Vancouver where there's so much competition out there. But at the end of the day, as I said earlier, it's just been a tremendous experience where, you know, it's a challenging market to work and we're making some inroads and we obviously want to do it a little bit faster. But the first seven or so months has just been wonderful and I'm super excited to have made the transition. So in terms of answering your questions, I really feel like from a, a data collection standpoint, where we used to really focus on, as I said, mid-2000s, we were collecting a ton of data through telephone. That's transitioned to online and we still do collect telephone data. Let's not make any mistake about that. But the vast majority of data collection now is done online. And obviously with that transition to online, there's been other things that have transitioned online, you know, and COVID's been a great accelerator for that, right? When you think about it, we'd do like nightly focus groups, we'd get eight to 10 people in a room, we'd sit around a table, have a conversation. And now you could do all that through technology. Not that you couldn't before, but the ability to now do that on a nightly basis through technology has been wonderful. So the only impact has been my frequent flyer miles, which has been a bit disappointing, but that being said, Technology has been a huge help in terms of the research game for sure. That's incredible. So give me some examples of clients or brands that would work with you or the types of brands. What are they wanting to find out? And then what are they doing with that data? Great question. I think the biggest area that brands are really trying to help out with is getting to understand their customers better, right? If you think about the foundation of what we offer, we do it because we think people are going to buy it or utilize it or whatever the case may be. And so I think brands consider their customers, they think they know their customers, and that's based upon gut check or who walks through the door or whatever the case may be. But in this day of e-commerce, when you don't know anything about that person except for their credit card number and how many items of widget they purchased, brands are getting more savvy about better understanding who their customers are and what types of customers they are. You know, you've got your market. You want to segment that market into different buckets or clusters of people that think, behave, act, do the same as that same segment, but differently to other segments because different messages relate to them better. Different approaches relate better to them. There's ways and means that we help a lot of our clients do that. And it's really important because if you want to blast out a particular message to the population, you can do that. But what you're doing while you're doing that is you're missing What relates to different people? So what works with Darren might not necessarily work with Jason, but we both buy the same brand at the same frequency. We spend the same amount of money, but what's going to resonate with Darren might not resonate with me. And so for that reason, it's really important to focus on that foundational element of the brand and the service offering. That is, who is my customer? Why do they buy what they buy? And what makes them tick? And understanding that them as a human, what drives them? You know, one of the biggest complaints and challenges with research is, okay, here's Jason and he buys brand X of something. Therefore, I want to know more about him and why he buys brand X. Let's take a step back. Who is Jason as a person and what makes him tick? And how does my brand or my product fit into his life? And that's where marketing is going and has to go. 
And that's why I think one of the key words right now is around human. Who is Jason as a human? What makes him tick? And how does my brand fit in his life? And how do I understand him? And then how do I speak to others like that? And so that's where I really think marketing is going at the moment is really better understanding people as humans and then enabling brands to make sure that they fit with that. So brands that we work with, we work with a lot of government agencies. We work with a lot of crown corporations. We also do a ton of space in you know transit and other areas. So there's a lot of clients right now who are sort of taking a step back saying, you know what, I don't think I need to know. Yes, it's important for me to understand why they buy my brand. Absolutely. But let's understand who our customers are as people, identify that, develop personas, segments around that, and then see how we can weave in our brand, our service within the fabric of their life, not necessarily as the be-all and end-all of their life. We think, if I think about toothpaste, it's toothpaste every day, twice a day. I don't care how Colgate fits into my life. All Colgate thinks about is their brand, okay? I want it to fit into my life and it speaks to me in certain ways. They need to understand that, not necessarily the elements of the brand that sort of uh, is why it's got minty or whatever it is. It's really around how it fits into my life. So it's knowing thy customers, right? And, and you know, I'm sure they know themselves so well, but here's their chance to know not just their customers, but their potential customers as well and how to speak to them, how to capture their attention and know where they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. I mean, marketing science speaks to the fact that there's two main ways to grow your brand. The first one is to get more customers, okay? I can only grow if I get more customers and then I get my existing customers to buy more often. I like to use the analogy of lemons. I either get more lemons or I squeeze that lemon a little bit more. Now, if we go back to toothpaste, I'm not going to buy more toothpaste than I'm already buying. I already use it twice a day. I'm not going to start brushing my teeth 10 times a day. That's not how the world works. Maybe for some people, go your hardest. But most people don't do that. So it's really around getting more people to buy Colgate or switching from one brand to another. And so it's really important to your point is there's a segment of the population out there that don't buy my brand or don't utilize my service, but they buy from the category. So I have to understand them as a category buyer and tap into that not necessarily as a buyer of my brand. And that's really important because, as I said earlier, there's only two ways to grow the brand. And if I'm not using that brand but I'm buying from the category, that makes it easy for me. I know why they're buying from the category. I now need to speak to them in a language that they understand to sort of get them to deviate from one product to another. So you're talking about some maybe, uh, you know, Crown Corp, some large organizations. Is there any like opportunities for like micro businesses, small businesses, medium sized businesses to uh, engage? Absolutely. We're all about growing organizations. So you put me in contact with someone through a smaller micro business recently, which was just super thankful. So thank you for that. We're all about helping small businesses because at the end of the day, we were all small business one day. No one started out with 600 employees or 10,000 employees or whatever it happened to be. Every business out there, for the most part, started with one, two, three, four, five, ten operators and then grew and grew and grew. And so at Leisure, we're a small player in the Vancouver market space. We're not the big boys in town. We're trying to get to the big boy stage, but we're far from it. So we very much respect the smaller operators in town. We absolutely work with them for sure. And we're very open to work with anyone, anyone who requires marketing research help, i.e., understanding their customers, how do I execute on service or product delivery, how do I better understand my brand, what is my reputation, do I want to understand the satisfaction that people have with my service offering, anything that has to do with solving marketing problems, 
is exactly how we help clients. And that's the space we want to play in, is help organizations make far more informed decisions than they are today. Gone are the days where we could rely upon the gut check. You know, gut check gets you so far, and that's great. But, you know, as I said to you, Colgate thinks about Colgate 24-7. I don't think about Colgate 24-7. So I have to understand from Colgate what it is about that makes me want to buy that particular brand or what makes me buy a competitive brand. Okay, so I have to understand more about this. So there's lots to do when it comes to marketing research and, and better understanding customers, better understanding how they buy it, the channel, the price, the messaging, whatever it happens to be. So give me like a leger, uh, you know, I think of Menchies, right, where you can go in and try the little sample cup, right? Like, where can you start? What's like the most least, most affordable, smallest kind of starter package yeah. to do some market research? What's like like one question or something sure, like it's that? It's a great question. I mean, we, so we have what we call an omnibus tool. That omnibus tool is a shared vehicle. Okay, so the shared vehicle means that client A can buy a question, client B can buy a question, C, D, E, F, doesn't matter. And that way, you're sharing the cross across all of those particular clients who buy. Client A doesn't see client B's question and so on and so forth. So if I want to work as an example with, you know, TELUS and Rogers and Bell, whomever, it doesn't matter. I'm just using them as examples for big brands. Okay, they might have one question. They might not want to spend X thousands of dollars. They just might want to buy one question at a national level or a BC level and ask that one question to the general population. They can do it costs about a thousand bucks, give or take. And it gives them the ability at a general population level to understand whatever question they want to understand, awareness, usage, thought, doesn't matter, irrelevant, amongst the general population of a province, say BC, Western Canada, nationally, whatever. So we will work with any client, large and small. So for about a thousand dollars, you can get some really important information to help you make a more informed decision. And as we said at the end of the day, marketing research is all about having data at your fingertips to make more important decisions. I want to know who's buying my brand. I want to know, are they aware of my brand? I want to know if they're considering my brand. I want to know how frequently they buy their brand, whatever it is. I mean, most organizations who aren't in the e-commerce world don't know anything about how frequently they buy. They don't know anything about what they think, feel, act, behave, do. And that's where we come in. So if you've got a loyalty card, that's great. But most organizations don't have that. So they don't know how often Darian's going to save on. They don't know what he buys. They don't know anything about oh, him. Oh, save on knows everything about me. Man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a save on rewards card, man. They know. Bad, they know. bad example then, but yeah, you yeah. get my drift. Like yeah, you're yeah. really trying to understand. The dollar store, dollar think. store. They don't dollar know. Dollar store, they, there yeah, you yeah. go. The dollar store. They don't know how often Darian goes there. Oh yeah, if only they knew, it would be embarrassing. Exactly, exactly. I almost wouldn't want to join their club because I would be embarrassed by the, the data they would know about me. Fair enough. And I'll, I'd be embarrassed if I knew how often Brown knew how often I went in there for a pint. This is we are our own challenges. You know, organizations need to know more about that so they can speak to me. So that when Jason walks into the dollar store and he goes and he gravitates to this aisle or that aisle because yeah. he buys that good or that good, yeah. organizations can make better decisions if they know what Jason wants to buy. And so it's really important on that. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
And I would argue too, like, you know, we're in a, in a very important week for Apple, right? It's changing its software right now, the tracking devices. And I know a lot of people have complained about privacy, but at the same time, the fact that we've get such personalized ads is actually kind of nice. Like recently, back in December, Facebook changed the rules around real estate marketing, project marketing specifically. And so if you want to market a real estate project, you now no longer can get very specific with the target audience. And so because of that, since December and January, I've gotten loads of real estate ads that have no relevancy to me at all. It just clutters up my newsfeed and it's annoying. Whereas before it was great because I wasn't getting them because I wasn't in their target audience spectrum. So I actually, you know, we we talk about that movie with Tom Cruise, right? Where they scan the eyes and they give you that specific ad, Minority Report. You know, and, and it's almost like the more data that advertisers can use, it, it's a win for everyone, I think. But again, it's a very interesting dialogue and discussion because it's the oh, flip side of privacy versus personalization. But I think what you're doing is brilliant. So give me the flip side of like how the sausage is made. Like, who are these people getting this omnibus? Are they getting an email? Are they getting a text? How did they sign up for it? How are they being compensated? Like, who are these entities? In Canada, we have about 460,000 Canadians who have joined what we call the Leo panel. And that what that panel is, what? is a group of... That's a lot of people. It's nuts. Leo panel. It's nuts. It's 460,000 Canadians who say, you know what? I want my opinion to count. I'm going to provide wow. it to you. And so we use that panel to then get, have our clients reach out to them. So... Regardless of the client, they would reach out. We would utilize that panel of people. Those 460,000 people were recruited because they either A, signed up online. They said, you know what? I want to give you my information. And so any of our clients can reach out, obviously through us, through a survey or whatever it happens to be, or we recruited them uniquely through telephone. Okay. So we don't recruit that. I'm using an example here of say, Aeroplan. We don't get the Aeroplan database and dump it onto our panel. That's not how the world works. What happens is we have a call center of people. As I said before, telephone research does still happen. Our call center can call out and say, hey, Darren, are you interested in being part of our panel? For these specific reasons, Darren says yes. And then, you know, on a weekly basis, Darren might get an email and say, hey, Darren, would you like to complete a survey? It takes about 10 minutes and you will be compensated for your time, maybe a dollar. You're not going to, you know, retire from your job tomorrow and live some extravagant lifestyle by being a member of our particular panel. But what you are going to do is you're going to help organizations likely that you buy from make better decisions. So the next time you're at the grocery store, the next time you're online, the next time you're doing something, you come across a brand that you might engage with, you're more likely to see improvements in their process, improvements in their product servicing, improvements in the delivery of the service, whatever it happens to be, you've contributed to that. And so that's part of why people want to be part of a panel such as ours, because they feel like they're contributing to society in some way, shape or form. They're helping organizations make better decisions. And those decisions are helping them live their life. And I remember back in the day, I remember being called. One of the first questions is like, are you or any members of your family in marketing or PR? And if you put yes, it's like, sorry, you can no longer take the survey. Is that still a thing today? Yeah, it is still a thing. And obviously, you can get around that if you so choose. But the reality is, it's really about competition, right? I mean, when we write surveys, we still write that. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm very much dependent upon the person telling me the truth. It's dependent upon Jason saying, no, I don't work in research, right? Let's be honest. We all know that it happens. We all know that someone's going to say no. It's really a competitive game. It's really around understanding that the competitors out there, they don't want me to see what kinds of work they're doing. So it's really to close off. That's from the research perspective. But the reason we have a screener like that is, as an example, if I'm doing something around healthcare and I'm working with one healthcare provider, that healthcare provider doesn't want another healthcare provider's employee 
to know what we're doing for another. So that's the reason we have it. Now, obviously, we're at the mercy of the truth of the people telling us, but people, for the most part, aren't lying about what they do or what they say. Like, that's their truth. That's their lived experience. That's what they tell us. And we take that at face value for the most part. That's cool. So people have signed up they know they're going to get paid sometimes. It's free sometimes, but their ideas are going to influence the future of the universe, right? Or, or brands absolutely. in, the, in yeah, Canada. Absolutely. And so let's say someone comes like Brand X, right? It's a cat sweater company out of Winnipeg or PEI and says, you know, I really want to learn more about cat owners in Canada. So they come to you and, and I think I want to know this. Does your team then help them form the question so it's done properly and it's a proper kind of survey type of question? And then what kind of, what's the timeline? Look, they pay you $1,000 to add this question that you've helped them develop. Mm-hmm. And then what can they expect kind of in a month or how long can they expect an answer? Yeah, so they come to us with a question. We fine tune that question or we write it from scratch, whatever it is. Yeah. But ultimately, the question is, has to address your objective. So yes. if they want to know more about cat owners, like you might want to ask yeah. who owns a cat and what they, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. We then finalize those questions. We put on the panel and then within one week through the Omnibus Whoa. tool, they'll get data. So the way that works for us is if you give us the question by Wednesday morning, we'll give you data by the following Tuesday. So in five business days, you'll get data about cat owners or whatever it happens to be within BC, across the country, whichever province it is, but it's at the general population. So within that data, the answers to the question that they asked, they will then get that. And then we can obviously also write a report for them depending upon if they wanted to pay more for that. So it's really around the ask of the organization. Some organizations just want the data. They just want the raw data that says, you know, X percentage of the population owns a cat or it's gray or black or whatever. But then what we would do is if the budget allowed, we'd then write a report about cat owners, who they look like, by demographic behavior, whatever it happens to be, whatever their ask was, would help them out with that for a nominal fee. Because I think what I'm seeing just on the flip side, not just from X cat sweater company, right? Which can learn how to better market these cat sweaters and sell these cat sweaters or even develop the cat sweater product because of your data. But I think the flip side is from a PR perspective, the pickup and the editorial wins are coming from data. So these data reports that whether it's your Coast Capital Savings or your you know X brand, the media loves it, radio loves it, TV loves it because it's like, here's something new. It's actually news because blank brand has partnered with Leger to come out with this report. And here's what Canadians think about X. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, data is currency. Information is currency. At the end of the day, if you don't know what you don't know. And so the currency of data is becoming more and more valuable, right? And so, as I said earlier, in order to get ahead, you need to understand your customer. You need to understand what they want, how they think, how they behave, what they're looking for next. The only way you can do that is by collecting data. The days of the gut check, they're done, yeah. right? You know, back in the day, you could fly by the seat of your pants, but now that people are now taking the responsibility of making decisions upon themselves. Yeah. You know, back in the day, here's a great example. Back in the day, just using myself, I'm trying to renovate a house. I've got a really yeah. bad example of a swatch on the back room, right? So I'm trying to think about how do I do this? I can now make all those decisions I like from my desk. I can Google whatever I like. I'm not walking in there blind anymore, okay? I'm looking for information. I want to walk into that store as informed as I possibly can. That is currency. You know, I might have been swindled back in the day. I'm not getting swindled today because I know what exactly what I'm looking for because I've spent the time to better understand what it is. And it's the same way for organizations out there. They need to understand more about their customers, what they want, how they behave, how they act, what it means to them, what messages resonate. And that's what marketing research does. And so 
you can't just fly by the seat of your pants and because someone in an ivory tower said, yep, that's the direction. That direction needs to be founded and rooted in data. What would that cost then for Leger to say, okay, I've got this research, but I don't really want it for the research. The research is good. Sure, it's good. But I want it so I could get a piece in the Globe Mail or National Post or end up on a CBC interview. What's it cost to maybe send out like four or five questions and then a write-up report that I can use as a press release? What's, yeah, that? What's the approximate cost? It's say like 10 grand. Like when okay. you're like, yeah, nice. And then that's an asset I can give my PR team to use as kind of ammunition for getting out there. Yeah, I mean, that's a ballpark fee, but yeah, yeah. we're talking five questions, National Omni, with a bit of a report. Let's call it 10 grand, you know, anywhere wow. between five to 10 grand, just to give you an understanding of, hey, who's my audience, what they're looking for. Here's a report with some bite-sized nuggets that says, you yeah. know what, here's what's going to fly. Here's the key insight, and here's what's going to resonate and capture attention. But not all 460,000 people would respond to said five questions, Correct. right? Like how many on average would we respond? We get 1,500 nationally. That's a great question. So we get about 1,500 in the space of a week to provide us that information. 1,500 is more than enough. Here's a good example, right? Like it's based on sampling. When you make spaghetti for dinner, you throw your spaghetti in the pot. You don't take out all strands of spaghetti to yeah, see yeah, if it's yeah. ready. You take out one strand. You think it's ready. Good. It's not. Put it back in. Cook it a little bit longer. And that's what sampling is all about. Yeah. Okay. You know, the 1500 is a really good sample size to give me a flavor of what the entire country is thinking. Okay. I saw a data report that was like, this is a survey from 24 people. And this is our data. I'm like, 24 people. I don't think that's a good sample size, no, Jason. And you would know. It, it is not. Okay. So, I mean, 24 is really like a finger in the wind. Okay. You know, 1500 is giving you a really robust sample size, giving you some okay. tremendous confidence in the data. Okay, so we 400 is about where we want to be at minimum, just to sort yeah. of if we're looking at an audience of interest, and obviously anything more than that, it just adds confidence to the findings, right? And no, so that's and, to the, and to the CBC to want to publish about it. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm sure you've seen, just to confirm, you, have you ever seen this happen before where people use the data for PR reasons, not just for internal reasons? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And obviously, you know, when it comes to utilizing the data for PR reasons, we're actively encouraged. Obviously, we want to make sure that if a client says, you know, I want to publish this in the Global Mail as an example, we would love to have a read of it just so that nothing's been misinterpreted. But if you want to publish work that we've done, within reason, we would absolutely support that within reason. As I said before, we'd want to be able to make sure that it's not being misinterpreted. We're actually writing op-eds right now in the Vancouver Sun on a bi-weekly basis based wow. upon the data so we can put information out there and opinions just to sort of help elevate the usage of market research data for exactly that reason. So we're, we're doing it ourselves, making sure that we're collecting data that's of importance to all the, the public out there and writing into the Vancouver Sun and getting some traction that way. Just throwing this out there, I'm not going to hold you to it, but it just plants in a seed. We should do a piece about what people think about marketing and advertising at this season in COVID and then write a piece for Marketing News Canada. That's a great cool. suggestion. We're always looking for different content ideas. No. That is a great suggestion. No, it'd be really good. Like, what are people's opinions about advertising today? And 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 it, it, we'll, we'll talk offline, but I think yeah, that would yeah. be a really great piece. So if someone has never done market research, they want to dip their toe in the water, thousand bucks, one question, give it a try. You're a small business. You can afford a thousand, see what you learn from it. If you are with maybe one of the other players, Leger is another option. You work with brands right across Canada, Toronto, Halifax, Winnipeg. You'll work with them. Absolutely. Um, and if you are maybe working already with a market research firm and you want to try the Leger option and use it for even PR reasons, around 10 grand can give you five questions and a beautiful report, which is amazing. That's 
pretty much bang on. And, I, and, and it might have been a little bit cheaper than that, but ten grand. No. And so if I just go to the website, is that where I just fill out a form and I just say, hey, this is what I want to know. Someone will contact me right yeah, after? Yeah, you bet. Go to leisure360.com and there'll be a, a way to sign up. And if you uh, put in the information area, someone will get in contact with you. If it's based here in Vancouver, that might be me. But it's okay. across the rest of the country. Someone from that respective part of the country will get back to you. Yeah, even French, right? We even do French. Well, we're based in Montreal as our head office, the mothership. So, you know, French, English, we do it all. Amazing. So question, if someone mentions they heard about this through our show, will you provide for them a box of Tim Tams and then teach them how to Tim Tam slam? Well, I'm not sure I'd provide the box. I don't know that it wouldn't be half eaten by the time it got to them because the Tim Tam is one of my all-time favorites. I rely upon my mum which is sad, to send me a box of Tim Tams from time to time. But I 100% promise that virtually I'll demonstrate the art form of doing the Tim Tam Slam. I will even give them a little sachet of Vegemite if they ask me really nicely as well. And those that have yet to experience the Tim Tam Slam, it is this amazing wafer cookie where you can bite the two opposite corners of a rectangle. You then can suck up coffee or hot chocolate, whatever your drink of choice is. And then as you're sucking up this hot liquid, it melts the inside of the cookie so that after you've taken a bit of a sip, you then put it in your mouth and you slam the cookie in your mouth and you have a cookie that's hard on the outside, that's chocolatey with melted hot goodness on the inside. And it is like an explosion of goodness in your mouth, which comes from Australia. It's fantastic. I couldn't put it better myself. It's just magic. If you haven't done it before, most supermarkets will sell them. Go and buy it and do yourself a favor. So Jason, are you ready for the rapid fire? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. What was your first job? First, I was stacking shelves at a supermarket. Cold supermarket in Australia. I was just stacking shelves from 5 to 10 p.m. like three nights a week. Wasn't glamorous. Uh, Night owl or early bird? Neither. I'm not either. I can stay up late if it requires me to. I can get up early for a tea time, but I'm neither. I'm in bed by 10.30 up at 7 o'clock. It's, it's pretty routine. Cat or dog person? Absolutely not a cat person, as okay. cats are flat cats. Okay. What is the first thing you marketed? Cutco knives. I was a salesperson for them back in Australia. That scene is coming back to me from the Robert De Niro movie where he's shaving his hair around with a Cutco yeah. knife. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to say I went through my uh, parents' social calendar and got all their names and was marketing Cutco knives like a champ. Awesome. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate for sure. Absolutely right. milk chocolate. But not uh, white fa- chocolate, milk chocolate. Yeah, and it is white chocolate even a chocolate? That's the yeah, debate, let's not right? talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, favorite word right now? Human. I love the word human. I love right. what it means. We're all human. It just sort of speaks to connection on a deeper level. It's awesome. What is the last charity you supported financially or volunteer time and why? Yeah, so I live on Lower Lonsdale and so the North Fan Fire Department, they had a going charity. So we deposited for them just recently. They're up and down our street all the time. I mean, up and down Lonsdale like four or five times a day. Fire departments oftentimes under-resourced and we just felt we should donate to them. Awesome. What's a movie that you love? We've got two actually. Heat with Robert De Niro and JFK. Nothing more recent, but there's a podcast out there called The Rewatchables, like Heat and JFK. They're just my all-two time frame. They're on the TV. I'm not turning the channel when I'm flipping through it. Awesome. Uh, favorite song or album on repeat right now? I'm a bit of a Foo Fighters fan. Yeah. I have to say, I don't love their most recent CD. Yeah. Maybe that's blasphemous. But Wasting Light is mm-hmm. solid from top to bottom, man. Yeah. But it is just a killer CD. If you're a Foo Fighters fan, Wasting Light is where it's at. That's awesome. If you weren't doing this job right now, what would you be doing? 
Well, my golf game doesn't depict it, but I'd love to be a PGA golfer. Yeah, Perfect. love that. Or actually a sports talk radio host. Yeah, that is nice. sitting down and talking yeah. smack about sports like yeah. for three hours, like getting people to call in. Who wouldn't want to do that? Like it'd just be magic. Be awesome. What is an app on your phone you can't live without? Oh, Twitter. Oh okay. my god, I am addicted to Twitter. I don't yeah. post on Twitter. Yeah, well, that's not true. I do post maybe once or twice a year, but yeah. I okay. love. I can waste hours on Twitter just going through it and seeing all the random stuff that people have posted and then, you know, clicking on that and seeing who's commented and thinking on that. It's just a rabbit hole that, you know, I really shouldn't be going down, but I do more often than I'd like to admit. Amazing. What is your favorite children's book? Well, it's a book that I'm reading to my child. So that's the context, but it's called My Dad Loves Me. So it's just a book around the care, the love, the support, the play, the the connection that I have with my daughter. So it's around Mm. My Dad Loves Me. Amazing. What's the most important thing you ever changed your mind about? Having a kid. Yeah, I grew up not wanting to have kids at all. And then if I'm being honest, I got my arm twisted. But it's been the absolute best decision I've ever made in my life. So, yeah, having being a father has been awesome. But having a child, it's just magic. Just absolutely love every second of it. That's awesome. What is the best thing you ever bought for under $10? A Nexus membership. Yes. Yeah, $50 yeah. over the five years. Like, yeah. there's nothing more valuable that we own than time. Yeah. And standing in line at the airport is just a joke. So yeah. if you don't have a Nexus membership, you're killing yourself, like standing up. So $50 over five years, absolute best investment you will ever make, ever. That's awesome. What is a marketing book you'd recommend? So my thesis advisor, it was Byron Sharp, and he wrote a book around how brands grow. And so it's just an absolute Bible for anyone who wants to know more about marketing and marketing research based upon marketing science. So we've talked a lot about how brands grow, like two types of customers, getting more of them and getting them to buy more often. And it's just the foundational component of marketing research. And so, yeah, how brands grow by Byron Sharp is an absolute must-have. Amazing. Podcast that you recommend? So I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to a whole heap of them. It doesn't matter which where I'm at in terms of my cycle. The first podcast I listen to every day is Axios Today. And it's only something I actually came across in the past year with Jonathan Swan from Axios. But that Axios Today podcast, 11 minutes every morning, you know, a bite-sized nugget of the stuff that's going on in the world, just fantastic. Amazing. A newsletter or website you recommend for resources or inspiration? I get a lot of newsletters like most marketing professionals, but the one that I open every single day without fail is CNN Five Things. It gives me a bite-sized chunk. It also gives me some ideas about what's going on in the world. It also has ideas there about businesses and things of that nature. So just a cool little newsletter that I open every morning, you know, just read up what's going on. That's it. It takes two minutes of my day. That's awesome. What's the last thing you Googled? (laughs) As you can see from the paint swash, I'm doing some renovations. Best yeah. bang for buck when it comes to a dishwasher. Nice. So I just yes. wanted to know which one's not going to leak, like all the different reviews. Like I'm lazy. Yeah. Google's fantastic. So I need yeah. to know what's going on out there. So best bang for buck for a dishwasher. That's awesome. Life hack that you'd be willing to share. Oh, 100%. Listen to podcasts at twice the speed. Yeah. Get through twice as many. So, you know, with the iPhone, you can listen to it at one times the speed, one and a half, half the speed, which I don't recommend to anyone, but twice the speed power through it, baby. Just get it done. You know, that that is brilliant. That's a great advice. Guilty pleasure that you have. Jeez, that's a good question. Going to the barber Mm -hmm. and getting a shave. Mm, Like, you know, I'm not the world's greatest shaver. I don't love doing it, but 
give the guy 50 bucks, sit in the chair, put the hot towel on there and go at it. You know, the hot shave is a win. So, uh, yeah, it's probably the biggest guilty pleasure I have from time to time. I only do it maybe once every couple of months, and obviously through COVID it's a bit of a challenge. But the hot towel shave is an absolute winner. It's amazing. Well, Jason, thank you for being here. Uh, Leger, you can find them online, Leger360. 360, you know, the roundness, the discovering what's all around you, the people around you, the customers around you, exactly. the potential customers around you, knowing all the things. It was a real pleasure. And Jason, we're going to keep talking about this article for Marketing News Canada because that'd be great to kind of show the power of what can be done to marketers and advertisers so we can better understand our industry and what the vibes are and what the pulse is like in Canada. So such an honor to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Darren. It's awesome. Yeah, and we're going to keep talking, and we should have you on again and a little follow-up and continue to give us information ideas that we can learn from to help us become better marketers and advertisers. Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.